Welcome to Making Ships. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I am joined by my co-host, Jason Zenger, and we are coming to you live from Rockford, Illinois. Hey, Jim, that was a really well-written introduction, and it really gets across what we do here at Making Chips. What you must we, have had a really good storyteller think, write that, didn't I think, you? I think I said it really good, too. Don't I, you, I think it was I, well-written. Well, that, too. I Well, you know Who what? wrote that? It's the truth. It. I wouldn't have said it and articulated it the way I did if I didn't feel it and it wasn't the truth. Because let me tell you, after all these decades in manufacturing, many decades, it's still challenging. It's still challenging. But it's, it's important to communicate what you do. And it's important for us to communicate what we do as a, as a podcast. And when you disseminate that story down into manufacturing is challenging, is it not? Are you challenged every Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning for the most part? Every single day of my life. I mean, it gets a little bit easier and on your the weekends. Fr- and your friends help you, right? My friends do help me. Depends yeah, on which friends. And you're, my- and you're always wanting to raise the level of your business, aren't you? You're talking about like increase the brand no, perception? No, you know, or- just always make things better, right? You're well, always going to make things better, a car machine tool, what right? We do, you know, part of our ISO 9001-2015 is continual improvement there you continual or continuous continual we'll have to ask uh, somebody that's in the that knows the word well that knows how to write a story but that's what we do here at making chips and i think that writing a really well-written story is good so jim i guess i guess the point is is that us as manufacturing leaders we're communicators we need to tell great stories we need to communicate what we do even if it's really complex like we just talked about this couple minutes ago, when you meet somebody for the first time and you have to explain to them what you do, sometimes you have to... Get creative. Get creative. Yeah, yeah. because if you tell them what? That you are... A manufacturer. Oh, what do you make? And, you know, I can't say I make precision component parts for the commercial printing industry. They have a tolerance of, you know... Plus or minus one thousandth of an inch. They don't know what... But if I say we manufacture precision machine component parts that go on an airplane. Oh, oh, airplane parts. Airplane parts. So when the next time you take that jet to Florida, you're going to hope that that part that we made in my shop was to the tolerance that we're spec'd out. But if you're talking to an engineer, you might say, you might talk about those tolerances, right? I might talk about a lot of the tensile strength, the material. I might talk about different kind of finishes, or it could be anything. Machining dynamics? It could be machining (laughs) dynamics. (laughs) Yes, it could be. So when when you're communicating and telling a story, it's important to know your audience and everything like that. So before we even get into all this, let's talk about what's going on great in your business. Well, I just recently bought another CNC machining center, brand new. It's our another four, one? Uh, fourth one wow. in 12 months. Good for you. And supposedly it shipped last week. And by the time this gets released, it should be on my shop floor under power. So I'm excited. 2019 looks like it's going to be a really, really good year. And we are readying ourselves for that new business. So, what's new at Zanger's Industrial Supply? I may have said this before. I may have not. And, and you know, obviously something I'm super excited about, but our first collaborative robot was delivered to one of our one of our clients. And now cool. we're just going through the process of implementing that. And I'm really excited about what 2019 has in store for this new venture in our company. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm really excited for. And 
I'm also excited for this new member of the Making Chips team that we are going to be interviewing today. And do you want to introduce her? Uh, not before we talk about manufacturing oh. news. We got to get there we first. We got to, you know, we have to wrap the right I, I am I am very excited and I'm glad we've had uh, most of the day to chat with her. Yes. I think she's going to be a great addition to the brand. That's what I get for not following the process, right? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, but that's okay. We're not going to kick you to the ground. But tell me a little I bit do, about the manufacturing news that y- you found for yeah, us. Yeah, so this was in thestreet.com. I think they're like the a financial, I don't really read it. They're like a financial news. Where, uh, where did news. you find that at? I Google manufacturing, you Google manufacturing news. I don't know if it makes okay. a difference or not. Yep. Okay, so the title of the article, it's Apple reportedly weighing move away from manufacturing in China due to tariffs. So essentially what it talks about is that they're 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 determining their threshold as far as when they start moving operations out of China for the US market and what they're saying is that if the tariffs re- reach 25%, which is what President Trump is proposing, never going to happen. That they need to to bring it out. And even if it's 10%, they're still considering. And right now, there is a, what do they call it, a, a tariff truce going on right now? Right, Another there 90 is. Another days in order to discuss. Right. So, well, it's late December when we're recording this. By the time it, it's released, everything can be changed. Maybe you know? it'll be resolved. The upset, yeah. we, they might upset the apple cart, as they say. It'd be really nice to know a little bit more about tariffs. And actually, our friend that's been on the show before, Tom Hilaris, I know I talked to him just recently, and he was in D.C. at a tariff conference, and it'd be great to have him on. He's got a certain side. Maybe we can bring on somebody else that comes from the other side of the, the tariff. I think that from the manufacturing industry, it would be interesting to get some additional insight and some really hard numbers and some metrics. Should we have a debate? A making chips well, debate? I, all, all I want to do is I want to be equipped so I can be inspired to do things a little bit differently next week. Yeah, but you, you know, know what this I mean? whole tariff notion is like it's a lot of times it's an opinion. You it, know? Is. it is. Everyone's got an opinion on something, but it's not I, like machining dynamics, so, which is factual. It is. So tell me a little based. bit more about what they're weighing what they're what are they going to say they're well, not going apple's a, not going to they're going to scrap all the manufacturing of apple smartphones in china because of the tariff or they're going to move it to atlanta georgia or what's the story what does well, it say i, I, I didn't think, read it I, I think it's essentially the the notion of near sourcing i think is the term oh, right. so is it near shoring maybe near shore i think it probably it's probably one is, of those it, terms is that the yes. same thing yes okay. you're right Nick, it is. yeah yeah absolutely so, it said also earlier this week, the camera maker GoPro, you've heard of those, yeah, right? Yeah, oh my people, God, absolutely. A lot of people use GoPros when they're videoing inside of their machine tools. Yes, even, we do. That they're going to relocate most of its production out of China by the summer of 2019 because of the tariffs. So it's an interesting decision that manufacturers, global manufacturers have to make in order to remain competitive. So Brian McGee, the the GoPro CFO said, today's geopolitical business environment requires agility and we're proactively addressing tariff concerns by moving most of our U.S.-bound camera production out of China. We believe this diversified approach to production can benefit our business regardless of tariff implications. So China is really gearing up to be an adversarial country to do business in, and everybody was like, oh, China, 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 and it's not really looking that like that anymore. Right. So, you yeah. Know. But... I only worry about my little local area. so yeah. I, And we're only worried today about making chips. Yes, the manufacturing leader. Nick, would you like to introduce our new team member to the Making Chips 
Yeah, so here at, at Making Chips, we're just trying to tell better stories and tell stories about the manufacturing leader and help the manufacturing leader tell their story in a better way. So we wanted to bring in an expert in storytelling. So Christine Schmitz is a former college professor from the University of Florida, and she has a writing agency in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she is now the managing editor of Making Chips. Yes, I am. Kind of weird. So Schmitz sounds familiar. We had somebody on just recently with the same last name, Schmitz. And he was talking about machining dynamics. Is any relation I to you? I wonder who that was. You know who it is. It's my husband, Tony Sch- Dr. Tony Schmitz, as we pointed out the last episode. Oh, that's why you guys flew over here together. And everything. <laughs> it's, uh, the dots are starting to get connected in my head now. I finally figured it out. It's about halfway through the episode that Jason realizes what we're talking about. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Christine. It was was a pleasure to have Tony here and kind of knock heads a little bit and talk about fundamentals of machining from a shop floor perspective to the status that he's at. And I think it was all really good conversation. And I I hope that that episode equipped and inspired some. um, I I definitely learned a lot. But again, it's it's great to have you join the team. I think you're a dynamic person and think it's going to be a great venture as we move forward into the new year. I do too. I'm so, excited. And welcome to the show. We're, here to, Thank we're you. here to have you tell your story and how you're going to help making chips go to the next level. Yeah, and, and help manufacturing leaders tell a better story as well. I can't wait. So why is it important, Christine, to convey a good story? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. This is sort of my entire life's passion. My connection to manufacturing is Tony Schmitz, who you met last week. But my connection to the story is just, it goes back much earlier than that. I've always been compelled to learn things through the stories that I hear. And believe it or not, we're pre-wired as human beings to learn new things and understand complex ideas through storytelling. It's our number one way of learning things. If you think about when you learn to read When you first started learning anything, you started reading books. Reading books, stories helped you to process ideas. That's just how we are as human beings. There's lots of data on that, but for me, communications is just the foundation of who I am. And I think that goes back to me being a person who values relationship a lot. And so you may be an introvert and say, I don't care much about about making new friends, but Everybody cares about what they're doing. You have a relationship with your work. You have a, a relationship with the public you're selling to. Or or we talked about how do you talk about what you do? How do you say it to someone else? To have any kind of a relationship at all, to nurture that relationship, I think you need to be able to tell the story of what you do or the story of who you are to get another person to connect to that. I believe that's what we do on Making Ships. We're telling a story. We're telling our story. We're telling our guests' story. And I think it makes it very relatable to the manufacturing leader that is listening to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make a broad generalization, mm-hmm. but you know, manufacturing is just deep in people with technical engineering mindset. And sure. a lot of times those people... Communication is not, and storytelling is not at the forefront of their minds as far as whether it's like, let me solve this problem. Let me make this process Mm -hmm. faster. And we're doing this series on processes. So let's talk about storytelling as a process, because I think that that is what's going to resonate with the manufacturing minded person. I would say most manufacturing leaders are more the science minded. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the art, but we're going to bring that process oriented sentiment into storytelling. So is there a process to storytelling? I guess is the yeah, first question. Of course. I mean, 
a lot of people, when they think about writing, they go back to those horrible lessons in elementary school of there's all these rules and there's grammar and there's punctuation. I got red marks all over my paper. And as much as a math class intimidated me, there's enough people out there. Math intimidated you? Yeah, just it it wasn't my language. Okay. You know, my language was words. Other people speak. I mean engineers. Differential equations. Heck no. Heck no. I married Tony for that. (laughs) He can he can do that. There's your diversity. Exactly. That'll balance out. When it comes to writing or expression of any kind, it is about relationship. And I think that's the first thing people forget in the process. Most people, when they go to write or to speak, they immediately think about themselves, what they want to say, how they want to say it, the method they want to use to say it, whether it's a microphone, whether it's a piece of paper, whatever, however, as a blog, it's a, it's a published piece of writing or uh, just a conversation or just I mean. a conversation. You're going to stand up and, and talk to someone or you're going to s- stand and talk to someone even at a, at a party. Most people will only be thinking about themselves and what they want to say. But the fact is it, it doesn't matter what you want to say. It's who's going to hear you, who's going to read what you're writing or who's going to listen to what you're saying. So for me, the process begins with thinking about who is going to care about this And it matters to me a lot that someone cares because what's the point of writing or speaking if no one's reading or listening? 100% correct, yeah. And so for me, the process starts with thinking about my reader. And and here's the thing I tell when I was a professor, the things I used to start with. The first class, I would say the same thing. Writers are very selfish. They only think about themselves, what they want to say, how they want to say it. But the weird thing is, is that readers are also selfish. And think of yourself as a reader for a moment. How selfish are you, right? You pick up a newspaper, you open an email. How much time are you going to devote to it? Not much at all if it doesn't serve you. Selfish is kind of a negative term. But it's like, what's in it for me? It gets people's attention when you say selfish. I'm a selfish reader because... If, I, if there's nothing in it for well, me, know, I'm going to walk you away. You know when you get that email, if you're being sold to right away, of course. you're going to just hit the X button and, or yeah. hit trash. Right? I have no reason. I'm not compelled in any way None. to read your email. Right. And I'm not compelled in any way to continue reading a news story that I don't care about or look at a picture that doesn't interest me. So if you're going to write about something... I think you have to, of course, you have to have something to say, but first and foremost, you have to think about who is your audience and what would they be interested in hearing or seeing or learning about. And if you can't answer that question, then you're not ready to write anything or to say anything. So for me, that's where the process begins. But then the caveat is, the, the trouble is, especially for the manufacturer that we're speaking to right now, they may have trouble clarifying what the message is, what the story is. I know, as we've mentioned, I'm married to Tony Schmitz and told you guys earlier that when we first got married and he was doing all of his research and trying to explain to me, the person studying journalism, <laughs> how what he was doing research on and these engineering practices, I couldn't understand anything he was saying. Was and it he- just like he was t- speaking another language? Yeah, I couldn't follow. I couldn't follow him. You know, he would start he would he would start by telling me some abstract problem that I couldn't even relate to because I'd never even seen a machine shop. I had never 
I just I never even thought about it. So we'd have to keep so walking to, backwards. Time out, Tony. Yeah. Who's your audience here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, and, and and I said it's about relationship. I really want to understand you, Tony. You know, I really, really want to understand you. So you you don't have to worry about me being a selfish listener. There's something in this for me because I want this relationship to work, but you're, you're going to have to tailor your message to your audience, you know? And so we found ways to do that over time. And I think that the value of me coming on board here is to take that same strategy with Tony and find a way to help everybody tell this story better to make it more relevant when it's hard to explain what you do to others, it dramatically impacts the relationship you can have with, with whoever you're speaking to. Say that one more time. When it's hard to explain what you are doing to another person, it dramatically impacts the relationship you can have with them. Oh, if that's you really good. That's tell good. them what you're doing, the relationship ends. It stops. I think that whole notion of what's in it for me is hugely important I know that when we developed our, this was a couple, three years ago, I think it was, our vision for the next five years, we were unleashing our core values and we were going to discuss, you know, what was Zenger's going to look like over the, over the next five years. This is me making this speech to the company. I wrote this whole thing out and I got some feedback from, I got a little like our consulting from the folks at StoryBrand. They're like a communications consulting company or they help you to write a story. The one thing that we completely rewrote was you keep talking about yourself and about your company. And it's like nobody nobody's concerned about that. They want to know why is this important to me? And I right. rewrote the entire thing and I made it about this is why it's important to you. We develop these core values for your benefit. Right. And that was truly the case. But I was just, I kept saying it from the point of view of myself and, mm-hmm. and of the company, but it needed to be written from the point of view of this is why this is important to you. So that's a good point because it's not that hard to convince people who are trying to sell a product that they need to have a good story. I don't ever run up against that as a challenge. But it's harder to convince a business owner that they need to have a good internal story or a concrete internal story. Just because, like you just said, if you can't explain to your employees what you do or why it matters or who you are, or that really hurts them too. Because most people, if you're, if you're spending half your life at a job, you really want to believe in it. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to know what it's about. You want to have a stake in it. You also want to be able to communicate to people outside what you do for a living and who you work for and things like that. And, and there's a morale attached to a good story at a place of business, I think, too. So, so Christine, why should manufacturers write? And what are we going to talk about? I mean, if I told my dad tomorrow that I was writing a story about car machine and tool, he and and that there would really be some big ROI on doing that, he'd think I'm nuts. So explain to the typical conventional manufacturing owner out there across this wonderful country why we should write and tell our manufacturing story, what is going to be the ROI in doing that? And um, I, I know you yeah. just explained a little bit, but... Well, sure, but I, I, get you, I get what you're seeing. I think the first thing is to understand that it's very fascinating what you do. It's the backbone of the it country. It doesn't seem really fascinating to me because I've been doing it my whole life. Sh- sure, and, and you gave the example at the beginning when someone asks you what you do... 
it's hard to tell that story. It's, it kind of is. And so you end up talking about airplane parts when that's not really what you... It's a simplified version right. of the application of what you do. But I think that the reason you should spend time really honing that story is because manufacturing really is fascinating. Every person that you could come in contact with has had an encounter with manufacturing just that day. I mean, you want to talk about cars. Everyone drives a car. We're united by cars. We are. Everyone is somewhat interested in that. It's just finding the angle to which makes it interesting. Being able to tell a compelling story about what you do could improve employee retention. It could also improve recruitment. Telling this story would attract people to what you do. I'm sure I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast is happy about what they're doing. They they enjoy the field that they work in, and they might just have trouble telling other people what it is they enjoy about it or what it is that they do. But it's not that they don't appreciate the work they're doing. And I I think even as my husband said, what compelled him to get into the field is at the end of the day, he's made something. There's such satisfaction in having produced something. Some people will work their whole lives and never produce something tangible that people can hold and use and appreciate that's what manufacturers are doing every day. Every day. And I think all humans really value something that can be produced and touched and looked at and and have an application. And so learn to tell that story better and it elevates the entire field. So we're doing this series on process. So going back to like the process of mm-hmm. storytelling. The first step is to understand your audience, sure. know who mm-hmm. you, either your listener or your reader or your watcher, whoever whoever it is. What would be the next step in the process? Sure. So inherently, if you really step back and you think about it, you can decide pretty quickly who might be interested in what you have to say. And then, so how do I start? How do I actually start putting something down on paper? Yeah, yeah. That is daunting. I understand that. And a lot of times it takes having another person side by side with you to help. Have a conversation. For myself, my own process is a lot of times I have a conversation in my head with the person I'm trying to reach. I imagine what that person person. You imagine what that conversation is going to sound like or feel like? I really do. I know that might sound crazy to anybody listening, but I do try to think like, how would I introduce this topic to a person I was speaking to? What would be my first lines? And I just kind of write it out myself, like maybe in a letter form or or just notes form, but I just kind of go through how this conversation would unfold. And I think if if you're sitting there, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, how can I tell the story of what I do? Just literally walk yourself through your day and say like, okay, I arrive at work. What do I do? Write it down as a process on paper and then try to think about in your mind like, What about, and this might be the harder thing, this might be where you employ another person to say, what about this might interest another person? Like, I'm looking at my process, it seems pretty boring to me, but what? where's the application of what I do? And and for manufacturers especially, and and this goes back to you saying the airplane part, the place where your audience is going to connect with your story is going to be in the application of what you do. Like the like the problem that it solves? The problem then? it okay. solves or the thing it produces or follow the line of what you do and when does it reach the general population? 
And if you can answer just that one question, then you know what you have in common with your biggest audience. And I'm answering this question as if we're talking to the biggest audience possible. Now, obviously, if you're talking to another expert in your field, that touch point is somewhere else along this chain. It's probably much earlier. But if we're just talking about the general population or it is finding where where they connect with what you're doing in the application of what you do. Yes, I mean, so going back to like the problem that it solves, like Nick mentioned, somebody's going to listen to this episode if they're having trouble getting their point across mm-hmm. to to their audience. They want to say, okay, how do I? That's where I fit into this problem. That's why mm-hmm. the reason why I want to listen to this episode. And it could be a simple matter of. They're talking about themselves too much, you know, and they're not talking about their audience. It's more likely that's true. Or what's funny is that, and, and this happens with me and Tony a lot of times, Tony gets really excited about the technical side. Oh, of what right. He does. Oh, that's obvious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a small little thing, a small little improvement will make his day where it will have no impact on how I understand what he does or what's important about what he does. And so, it may be that someone's talking a lot about the thing that makes them most excited about their work. But the fact is that where the audience comes into the story is some is another point along the way. Hmm. The audience may not be as interested in what you're interested about. And I, I've actually found that to be the case a lot of times. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a manufacturer. But the last 25 years of my life, have involved this community of people socially and through Tony's profession. And I've often found that to be the thing. I In a conversation with people, I have to just keep pushing to find out where it is that I can enter this conversation and understand what it is they're doing. And I'm definitely not naive about manufacturing. I'm probably more educated than the average regular person yeah, yeah. but it still takes me a lot when i'm when i'm speaking to some even my father-in-law he worked on the shop floor at boeing and it would take a good amount of conversation for me to start to understand what it is he was doing and what he liked about it now, he loved his job he worked there for more than 30 years so i knew wow. there was something but it was just like it took a while to get there well here let me take a whack at it so yeah well so, you're a good writer nick you are. No, you are. I need I need a mentor. So yeah. one of the reasons why we brought Christine in. But so it's like in your case, Jim, if someone said, Okay, what do you do? And you said, Well, I, m- I make precision parts and, and they go into airplanes. And and so these parts have to be perfect. I have to meet all these standards and they uh, every tolerance has to be exactly right because if any mistake goes up into the air, the the plane could come crashing down. Think, of, right. think of the end result. The lives matter. Oh, that's yeah. a dramatic story, Nick. Yeah, yeah. So like, they add well, a little drama. All of a sudden right. it's like, oh, I care a little little bit more than I did before <laughs> right. when he just made part. What's well, right. all the story about me, Nick? <laughs> it's not all about you, know, you if, if we don't have tools on time, we, we might not get these parts Production goes down and, and yeah. you know, people could die. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, Nick makes a really good point because once you know, once you can figure out where your audience might come into the story, you might find it safe to know that there's only a few different storylines that we follow. We're pre-programmed as humans to understand stories. It's a format that we follow very naturally. So Nick just told a compelling story. He did. He said He really did. He said, I make these parts. They have to be perfect. And if they're not, People going to die. People fall out of the air. That's a story. We we pay big money to see that in the movie theater, you know, and and really 
it's hard to imagine that a person working on a shop floor has a story well, that that's would, a responsibility. Yeah, but, that, that but truly honestly, is. that's what I was saying earlier on. Everyone has a stake in manufacturing. Right. Every human being is impacted by good and bad manufacturing. There is a story there. There is. I have yeah. one for you, Jason. So I'm I'm a production manager at a, a machine shop and and if I don't get these tools, Machine Shop in Rockford? Yeah. Advanced machine engineering. And if I don't get these tools, my guys are gonna have to work overtime. He's gonna miss his anniversary dinner. That marriage might not be there when he gets home. <laughs> Nick goes for the drama. You can tell that. It's always, it could could end in tragedy. But, (laughs) but if he gets his tools and he gets this job done, they're going to give him an award. That's right. (laughs) He's going to get employee of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in next week to find out. (laughs) So, is there another step in the process? Well, I'd say the step, and here is where I come in. You definitely need an editor. I really do think so. Another set of eyeballs to put on there. You really, really do. And I know it's it's so tempting to skip that step, but it's a it is a tragic mistake. And yeah, just, I mean Jim, well, so is this an example? So Jim misuses words like constantly. So I'm always having to <laughs> So he needs somebody he's, he's to He's a edit multi-dynamic him. individual. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. He sees a word I'm in so the, glad that's one of our core values though now. <laughs> he sees a word in the headlines of, of like a news article, like gets so excited about it, but yeah. then he just totally like misuses it. I'm like, no, no, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talk about It's return- fun to have fun with words too, it though, is. isn't it? Of course it is. I, yeah. I love words. Yeah. I mean, I really do. You can't find somebody that, that loves words more than me. But we go back to thinking about return on investment, right. ROI. I know they throw the term around a lot. But honestly, you're going to put all this time and effort into thinking about your story, writing your story, maybe publishing your story, printing your story, recording your story, but you're going to skip a step that could alienate your entire audience. Because honestly, one spelling error, one weird word that just doesn't fit, even it does, something that small. It doesn't feel good when you, when yeah, you read it. I mean, and it that's just, for that, sure that, like if, if the message is off, but even something as small as something being misspelled. I mean, let's take it all the way. If you're reading something that's supposed to be from an expert and they are misusing a term, right? that's going to... So then, so then what's the return on all that effort you just made when in the first sentence, your audience is going to just put it down and say, well, this guy does isn't even using the correct term. Yeah. And it, it might not even be the correct terms is obviously mm-hmm. very important, right. but it also could be just the amount of words that you put into something Definitely. or the amount that you say, like in the case of, of Jim. Yeah. And, and my, <laughs> my, 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 my wife is actually my editor. So like if mm-hmm. I write something, she's like, yeah, we need to cut that in mm-hmm. like half. And then she goes through sure. and she chops it up and makes it about half. Cause I get real emotionally, just like Jim gets emotionally charged when he's talking. I get very emotionally charged when I'm writing and my wife's got to go back there and trim my yes. story up. Crying. Yeah. To get me to stop <laughs> crying. And just like, you know, with, with making chips, I got to cut like yes. half of the stuff that Jim says right. because he just, you know, well, you make but as you much- may, as you may remember though, as much as you think I'm not that good of a writer, I actually have given you some tips and tricks over the years to writing skills. Oh, I, I think, yeah. Mostly about truncating it, mm-hmm. making it much more... You know, you're more, very articulate, yeah. though. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, do, you do a good job with voice inflection. I think yeah, you're a I better do. talker. I, just for the oh, like, definitely, I definitely <laughs> am just a better for the record, talker. I never said you weren't a good writer. I said you're not a good reader. Definitely, I agree. But I've shared with my office manager, and I've shared with the Making Chips metalworking community... 
about how to write a corporate email. Oh, you did. Yes. I did do, and one of the most viewed yeah, it's uh, on our YouTube, YouTube channel. series ever. And I think that the information that I conveyed was really simple, honest, organic, authentic ways to just write a better corporate email. You're a really good email writer. Yeah. No doubt about it. Keep it simple. That's yeah. the whole story. Keep it, I thought it was so keep true. it simple, Did bold, and underlined. Did we just catch you complimenting K-I-S-S. each other? <laughs> well, I think he was complimenting me more I than anything. Yeah. I was. This well, is documented. He winked at me, too. <laughs> as much as it is true, I think as an e- editors, the best purpose they serve is, is in cutting things out that don't right. need to be there. But an often overlooked addition that editors make is that we add stuff in that is missing too. So believe it or not, and experts are great, but experts leave out a lot of important details that they, they just don't need to tell the story because they it's like they fill in the blank themselves. When you're talking about right. a process that you understand very, very well. Something's going to be omitted. Yeah. So right. when I was teaching technical writing at University of Florida, we had this very simple exercise where the students put them in groups. I gave them a jar of peanut butter, a jar of jelly, and a loaf of bread, and a knife. And I said, write a set of instructions on how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then print them out. And one by one, we're going to stand up at the front of the classroom. We're going to follow your instructions perfectly. Well, you can imagine that most of these sandwiches ended up as a big ball of jelly and peanut butter because you filled in so many blanks that just you supplied the information, but you didn't write it down because it seemed intuitive to you, but it wouldn't necessarily be intuitive to the reader. Right. So as an editor, a good editor or just a good reader of whatever you're putting out there can flag those things and say, you know, you keep saying this, but I don't, I don't understand this part. We need another sentence there. Or we, need a clar- we need to clarify this process because it's not unfolding in my head the way it might be unfolding in your head. You know, I heard something really good once and it was like, assume the reader knows nothing, but don't assume that the reader is stupid. Right. Yeah. All right. So why don't we wrap up the process that you go through? What, what would be the, the next and final steps? Well, after you've had a good editor, I still think if you're the expert, you should take another look. I mean, really, you don't want to overthink it, but I think before you actually put something out in the world, I think quality over quantity is always oh, best. So, I totally agree with you, Christine. Yeah. So just make sure that you feel really good about it before you put it out. And don't be intimidated by writing. I think people are very scared to get started. A good editor can work with anything. Mm-hmm. I, I can work off of a list. If you write a good list out, I can turn it into a, a, a good article. Story, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's not that hard. So don't feel hindered by your lack of confidence in your writing. Just try to get your story out there. Find someone else to turn it into what you need it to be and reread it one more time to make sure that they didn't completely change it and then feel confident. Great. So one last question. I don't think that you touched on this, but I could be wrong. Whenever I'm writing something or trying to communicate in some way, I've always got like a structure that I that I do everything within. So mm-hmm. how important is that in the in the writing creative process? I think that if it's helpful to you, it's helpful to you. But okay. it's it's there's no one way to write. There okay. definitely isn't. Everyone has their own process. A lot of people think because 
I'm a really good writer, that I'm also an avid reader. And that's not actually true. You know, really? those things aren't tied. I read, but I'm I'm a selfish reader. I'm very selfish with what I will dedicate my time to. Interesting, yeah. So again, I would say- You just scored you, some points with Jim. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have a process that works for you. And I think you shouldn't be scared to play around with that process. But the biggest thing is what will get words on the page. Some people have a process of when they're driving- to work, they might record an audio message of what they'd like to say. Some people speak much better than they write, and that's a great place to start from, too. I know, again, I keep referring to Tony, but I know that he has a half-hour commute every day, and he does he audio records his thoughts a lot of times so that when he gets into the office, he can listen to them again and write them down. And you could start telling your story that way. If and you're I much visualize everything in my head. I see things. Draw it out. Well, I just, I see pictures and I see, I see a story in my head and then I can, I can write it down. It's like a pop-up picture book. Yeah, maybe. is sometimes that simple, <laughs> but that's how my head works. I'm much better with visual things mm-hmm. than I am with written text. So the discipline is just, Make yourself put words on a page. There you go. Just if you're going to do one thing, that would be the application. Don't worry about the rules of grammar or the structure or even the story at first. Just put words on the page and then get the right person in there to to fix it up. That's all. Great. Thank you, Christine. I I definitely learned some things here and also confirmed some things that have been working for me in, in the writing process. And I probably need to be a little bit more diligent about don't send that email out. Don't <laughs> write that post until I have my wife look it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely got to look at it twice or, or get another set of eyes on it for sure. And I'm glad you brought up that point about quality over quantity because in the marketing circles, it's like, oh, we got to publish content. This is mm-hmm. the way to, you know, oh, there's so much junk SEO. out there. And so yeah. people just stuff keywords into articles yeah. and you read it and you're like, oh man, that really let me down. I, I was expecting to learn something and I didn't learn anything from this because it wasn't good. And what's interesting is the higher quality content, Google keeps getting better with search and and, mm-hmm. and the higher quality content is what's going to win in the end anyway. So some of these, Definitely. oh, let's just publish as many pages as possible and stuff keywords into it. That's not working. The anymore. only thing I ever care about is did somebody read my article and share it with somebody else? Because mm. then I knew they really valued it. Yep. If they read it, I'm happy too, because they've assimilated some information. But I know if they shared it with someone else, they found value in it. Yep. Love it. That wraps up this episode of writing. And again, Christine, it's welcome to the Making Chips team. It's going to be a fabulous collaboration. And we're making more chips because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The metalworking nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. Yeah, I don't like when people write things for me. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you don't read them. Jim loves that, but I don't. I do, so. I do like structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Sorry, I don't Brandon, like doing show structure.